everybody will have an ENS name and that is their username for username and profile for the internet. Hey, I'm Rudy Dogum and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Brandly.eth is a director of operations for ENS domains. The Ethereum name service is where you can register your crypto addresses, including Bitcoin, along with NFTs, websites, and single sign-on for Web3, all in the Ethereum network. Welcome, Brantley, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you for joining me here today. Uh, you're coming in from uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And yeah, thank you for you know coming on. I'd love to learn more about what you're doing uh, now and also what you've been doing before crypto. So yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so for those that don't know Brantley, he's currently the Director of Operations for ENS Domains. And before we get into all that fun stuff, let's learn a little bit about what you were doing before you even heard about Bitcoin and crypto in general. Of course, and, and please call me Brantley.eth. Brantley.eth um, only, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, just like my background, like my pre-crypto background, how I got into crypto. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Oregon. I went to college in, in Illinois. I got a degree in uh, philosophy. And I went up to, uh, and I got a master's degree in systematic theology. Did some doctoral work in moral theology and ethics. Um, I'm married. I have six kids. Wow. Um, Congratulations. We Thank you. We currently live in South Carolina. Um, I first heard about Bitcoin in 2013. So it's very common that during bull runs that like, you know, kind of hits the news, there's hype and it's like a whole new class of people like come into the space. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like 2013, 2017, now 2021, right? Yep. Um, so I heard about in 2013, early there, started following it. Uh, I'd say early 2015, I kind of like had like a conversion moment on it. Like it, like it became a full-time passion. Like, oh my gosh, this is going <laughs> to be huge. You know? Were you um, big into tech at all though? Or this... You just kind of like had a spark like, okay, decentralization is what's going to be needed for the world. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in tech. I mean, I say like, yeah, I mean, just I've always been kind of interested in tech. Mm -hmm. I, um, I actually started an online uh, publishing or like media brand, which I then sold to another company. Okay. Um, so I was yeah, always very interested in tech and, and things like that. I think I remember hearing about Bitcoin and then following it and be very um, intrigued by it. And then the Ed Snowden stuff happened also yep. in like 2014, 2015. I was like thinking about that a lot. And I noticed a lot of things came together. And then, yeah, like in early 2015, it kind of, it, it, like I said, that was like the conversion to full-time passion moment. And since then, it's just been my full-time, very passionate interest. This is very common, I think, for people because um, once they realize that blockchain technology, the, the it, it's a revolution in computer science, like it's a computer science breakthrough yep. that, that enables things that people thought was previous people thought were previously impossible um, and is going to impact so many things. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I heard about I got it early 2015. Then, uh, you know, Ethereum launched, of course, that summer. I didn't really get it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's a long white paper to read. And it's just, you know, Bitcoin's taking the lead. And you think you're thinking it's just. Another hard fork, another coin that's being just thrown into the market. What is Ethereum? Exactly. And up until that point, people have to understand Bitcoin was like 90% of the space. I mean, it was oh, yeah. virtually the only thing that had anything real or interesting going on. And there was a lot of altcoins. Altcoin like made sense as a term because it really was like there's Bitcoin and a bunch of things that are basically copies of Bitcoin that aren't really doing anything. Yeah. Um, it wasn't clear, like, is, is Ethereum just going to be some vaporware failed altcoin type thing? Anyway, in early 2016, so, like, I, re I didn't get in the pre-sale. I remember when Ethereum, Ether was less than a dollar, you know. <laughs> 
but I didn't get it. Then in early 2016, there was the launch of the DAO, the DAO. Mm -hmm. And I actually bought my first Ether so that I could get into the DAO. Um, if people don't know, DAO, the DAO was one of the first like real dApps, like serious dApps on Ethereum. And uh, it crashed and burned terribly. And it led to, a, it was so bad, it actually led to trying to fix the problems, led to a chain split. And that's why Ethereum caused this. Um, that's a whole nother story. Yep, but I remember I, that story. <laughs> that's pretty Yeah, wild. I mean, were you, did you invest in the DAO or? I didn't invest in the DAO, but I think I had some Ethereum just because I was curious and I had like a couple bucks. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, but I was just getting, deeper into the Ethereum space. Uh, there was also the block size limit wars were going on in Bitcoin. We don't need to hash that out, but that was mm -hmm. so bitter and terrible. It, it, and just, I think the group that won out in that group, I think was bad for Bitcoin. Anyway, it kind of just pushed me more towards the Ethereum space. There was, there, there was a big exodus, really a brain drain of people, I'd say in like 2015, 2016, 2017, from the, like a lot of OG Bitcoiners yep. leaving for the Ethereum space. That's another story. Um, and then I'd say, yeah, and then and then 2017 happened and I, I've been really just mostly focused on Ethereum since then. I still hold to Bitcoin. I'm not anti-Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of uninteresting in that nearly all the innovation in the space now is in the Ethereum space. And, and also, this is another key thing for, for people to understand. This idea that like Bitcoin is just like, it's just digital gold and you like, you don't, you just hodl it and that's it. That is like a new version, I like idea of Bitcoin. That was not the idea of, that's not the Bitcoin in the white paper. That's not the Bitcoin, early Bitcoin for years. That was not the vision. That mm -hmm. was not the vision that excited me. Um, and in fact, people were saying, oh, we're going to do smart contracts. The term people used then was programmable money, you know, free yeah. Ethereum, you know, with Bitcoin. This was the excitement thing. People talked about even DAOs and NFTs and smart contracts. They used some different terms, but it was all there. But it was just years of stagnation of none of these things happening. And then Ethereum was like another path saying, hey, why don't we have a blockchain that's, that's a general purpose DAP platform? Seems obvious now, but it's not obvious at the time. It was really a brilliant breakthrough from Vitalik Buterin. Mm -hmm. um, and then now we've had this explosion of all these things finally happening, but on Ethereum, and then Bitcoin's kind of become increasingly narrow if it's just like this this digital gold. I just want people to know that that has been a massive culture shift that's happened just in the last couple of years. And during that time, were you just like seeing it as it was happening and thinking to yourself, Oh, this is all making sense just the way that it was being planned through with Ethereum or just kind of like a hindsight. Oh, like what happened back in 2017 and 2013 kind of cleared up now and it all kind of makes sense now. Uh, I mean, I saw it in real time. I mean, we don't need to get into details to be boring, but like <laughs> the, the block size limit wars of Bitcoin of 2015, 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. Like you could see this happening in real time. In any event, so I was focused more on the Ethereum space. This is where all the innovations have been happening for years now at this point. Uh, in 2017, I created a website called Flipping Watch, mm -hmm. which compared uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum metrics on the flipping. Um, and Ethereum actually came very close to flipping uh, Bitcoin in June 2017. It got to 85% of its market cap, which was close, but then it didn't. It became what people called the flopping. It didn't happen. <laughs> people um, were so excited for that. I remember that happening. So many memes going on that it's happening. It's happening. Right. It, came, it got close, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, I was kind of involved in some some smaller projects here and there. Um, but then in January 2019, I joined the core ENS team. And I've been there now, you know, full time for almost three years. It's amazing how long, how quickly it's gone by. Yeah, especially in crypto time. Three years is a <laughs> lot. It's not. It takes a lot of that out of you, too. And then, yeah, so you're you're progressing, you know, with Ethereum. You're kind of doing your own projects just to get your foot in the space you know, how did you end up speaking with ens domains how did you end up working with them and 
was that kind of like your goal? You, did you know that this was needed in the space and this is what you wanted to work on or kind of fell in your lap? Yeah, so so ENS launched uh, early 2017. And I remember when it launched, uh, Nick Nick Johnson, who's the creator of ENS and the lead dev, um, he, uh, he started working on it in 2016. And I actually remember people talking about it. I was so excited about it. And they actually had an aborted launch in March 2017 because there was a bug in the core contract. <laughs> uh, but then in, in, in order to contract then and uh but then it launched for real realsies in may 2017 and i was right there and i got names i got brantley.eth very early on as soon as it was available and i was like this is so important this is so revolutionary i was so excited about it um and then uh but nick and, and the other people this was like a side project of people at the ethereum foundation he was at the ef he was on the guest team wow. um and so, but ENS was very successful, had a lot of excitement. Then in 2018, the EF said, hey, Nick, why don't we give you a grant and you leave and start your own organization, really just focus full-time on ENS. This needs to be built out. So he did that that summer and uh, and I joined then a few months after that. Um, it was just kind of building a team to like, hey, let's like really make this into something. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah. That's incredible. And there's so much going on now too, because I remember you just tweeted about signing in with Ethereum. That's finally yes. coming up. That's super exciting for the whole entire internet and web three applications being able to just do a single sign on with ethereum and your own brentley.eth address yes uh, and i mean there's so much more to go and just to take it back a little bit you know i, I believe that you come with like a, a catholic faith too and correct you I, am really, a, I am a catholic and you associate a lot of uh like cryptocurrency and blockchain that there's like a need for it in, in catholicism so of I'll course also, are you catholic I was raised Catholic, but I'm not now. I'm, uh, I, I, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> this is what you hear from people. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. I was not raised Catholic, actually. I'm a, my wife and I are both adult converts. Um, okay. You know, there's that old, uh, there's the old phrase, uh, Marshall McLuhan, actually, the famous media critic, media ecology guy. He was also an adult convert. And he, was, he would tell people, he'd say, oh, you're Catholic? He'd be like, yeah, I'm the worst kind. I'm a convert. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's like probably a huge stigma around that too, but it's all I mean. For me, it's all if, as long as you're a good person doing something good for the world and good society, it's the most important thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I read a f an article about you how that you wrote that how Catholicism should really take Bitcoin seriously. I'm kind of wondering what made you, you know, think in terms of all right, cryptocurrency, Catholicism, they need to unite. Of course, yeah. So I think that article I wrote in twenty fall twenty fifteen of like here's ideas. Of course, uh. The basic ideas I would are all accurate today, although now it honestly would all be on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the basic ideas I think are are still stand. Yeah, I mean, so 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 blockchain technology is just it's a technology. It's a, it's the revolutionary technology, um, and it's gonna impact I think all aspects of life. It, like it's like the internet, like the internet itself. Like it's not like oh, there's the internet niche. Like no, it, everybody uses the internet. Every mm -hmm. single organization on the planet uses the internet in some way. And it'd be it's like, oh, I don't, it's like saying like, oh, I don't use telephones. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course you use telephones. Um, it's that type of uh, technology. And so it will dramatically impact the church. And I think the church actually is particularly uh, poised to benefit because the church is a trans-jurisdictional international, you know, organization. Um, and, and blockchain technology is all about that. It's, I mean, just let's say from a finance perspective, the finance use case. Yep. I mean, that the church is constantly in, in interacting in different jurisdictions and currencies and bank accounts and wiring this back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Well, with cryptocurrency, I mean, that simplifies that entirely. And transparency um, too with it, which is also super important. Yeah, it's extremely important. In fact, we, we need that in the church. I mean, there's, there's corruption just like in any organization, you know, a big organization. 
So there's transparency. Um, but there's other things too, like, you know, I've had this idea of like sacramental records and things like this could, could use this. That's very important. Right now, the church just literally uses handwritten books at parishes, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, it works. Um, yeah, it's a ledger. But we can improve things, right? Yeah. Wow. So did anyone, like, was someone at the church maybe like showing you, hey, this is blockchain and crypto? Or were you the one just leading the charge at your church saying, hey, this is what we should adopt. This is what we should look into. This is how we should see the future if we're going to grow with the times. Uh, no, I just think it. I mean, the, most <laughs> people in the church, just like most people in the world, have no clue. Um, and uh, But yeah, I mean, people will adopt it eventually. Mm -hmm. That's wild. And then, um, awesome. And then, all right, so then you're continuing on doing what you're doing with the church, continuing writing articles. You're in ENS domains. What do you do for fun, your hobbies? Like, how do you spend your time away from blockchain uh well i i, I make kids, Six kids with my wife uh, <laughs> so um, and then yeah i mean i don't know i think crypto is fun and then I, don't know, I play with my kids hang out with friends mm -hmm. i'm like the weird crypto person of course you know like i think know. i am too it's okay <laughs> everyone uh, is i don't know with the wife and i we go out on dates uh, nice. go out with friends i don't know cool. but crypto it's to me crypto isn't just like a job like i said it's like a full-time passion it's like this is what excites me and what I think is worth spending my time on. So I'm thinking about it probably kind of all the time. It makes sense. And then the whole industry is pretty, I guess, I don't know, diverse is, diverse is the right word, but it's uh, a lot of noise, a lot of noise to deal with. And yeah, again, I see in your tweets and your posts and a lot of back and forth between different people and conversations, there's still some, there is still some type of uh, mental break needed at times. And oh, th of course. Yeah. And I think, I don't think you're the type of person who even cares about the price of Ethereum or where it's going in terms of trading. I mean, obviously it's important to you because it is your livelihood, but Yeah, of course, again, I'd say I, I'm a long-term guy. So mm -hmm. in the sense that, of course, I care about price. Of course, you know, I, I can make money in crypto and things like this. That, that is a motivating force. But it's more than that in that I think this, I'm in this for the long term. I think this technology inspires me and, and building out the new world over many years, over a long time horizon, um, I, that is where I'm at mentally. That's what I'm doing. Just li yeah, living it up, making sure you keep it moving. And is there, um, you know, for you, what's the, is it just always Web3 as your main focus? Is there any other projects you have in mind that you're interested in seeing develop or anything that someone else is doing that you're, you're really respecting and excited to see grow? Oh, yeah. I mean, so first off, um, what... I mean, different people use terms differently. When I say Web3, I mean, like, I, just, I mean, that's like, to me, it's like a synonym for crypto or blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of things I think are, are great. I mean, all of DeFi is, is a spectacular achievement thus far that I think is only going to like, you know, a million X from here. I mean, it's like incredible. Um, yeah, I love those. Unis Sorry, go ahead. Well, like Uniswap has like, I mean, not, I guess, literally a million X, but like <laughs> Uniswap has like, I don't know, 250,000 monthly active users. I mean... It's like, that's nothing. And But Uniswap is a spectacular achievement. I have mad respect for Hayden Adams and, and the whole team there. But they, again, it's like, you have to have context here. People have to know that up until just like a year or two ago, mm -hmm. the conventional wisdom was even like, DEXs will never work. I remember like a lot not, of DEX startups trying to accomplish what Uniswap is trying to accomplish. But the thing is, I think the big difference was, I don't think they were just trying to accomplish Ethereum only. They were trying to accomplish multi-chain blockchains right from the get-go. Yeah, there's that. And just just people thought, oh, with gas costs and with different 
like order book problems or I mean there's different approaches and, and just people thought like there were strong arguments that DEXs will never actually catch on on a thing. And and the fact that Uniswap, you know, represented this technological breakthrough in an approach, which has now been spectacularly successful. And I have mad respect for that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the whole NFT art profile pick that space is, is incredible. And yeah, I mean, and that that's that's what makes me so bullish about crypto and Ethereum specifically is that it's not even it's not just like there's one killer use case. There's like a huge number of massive killer use cases. They're all happening at the same time. You know, it's like just revolution, just just blockchain technology as a currency, like the most basic original bread and butter use case. Mm -hmm. That itself is insanely revolutionary, like in human history. Okay, and then now you throw in like DeFi, which is like going to replace the entire financial sector. Which, by the way, if you're not in finance, I didn't know this because I wasn't in finance, but I've learned finance is a much, 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 much bigger industry than most people realize. Right. So that's huge. In terms and, of and money it, and the dollar value? Yeah, the dollar value, like mm -hmm. the amount that we're talking about and like what goes on in finance is really, really, really big. Yeah. Um, and then like with NFTs, I, I think, and, it, and that's just that's just finance, which is massive. And you have NFTs, which I think are going to replace all of property in, in the universe. It's going to ultimately be NFTs. And I think that the art NFT and profile pick NFT thing is, is like the first killer use case for that because it's simplest because it's like digitally native. It's easy to see and understand. Mm -hmm. But it's like that's huge. And then like ENS, right? So the project I'm working on, I think it's like it has a shot at being the identity layer of the world in the sense that it is the neutral identity layer. Everybody will have an ENS name and that is their username for username and profile for the internet. I think that's possible. And that, like that, again, by itself, humongous. And then I guess as the director of operations, what is your day-to-day -day for ENS? Like what's, what's it look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, so personally, I mean, I get up, I grab my phone, tons of notifications. <laughs> uh classic yeah got it you know see what's important what's not important uh i get to my desk in my office here it's just a a, a bedroom in our house that i use as my uh as my office do you like working from home? from home oh yeah i've been doing it actually since 2012 like before crypto and can't go back yeah i mean i started working from home because of covid but yeah i don't want to go back either <laughs> then yeah i mean so what i do i mean like i'm on twitter a lot i think is extremely important because uh, that's where we where the conversations happening what are people saying what are you what's going on what are you learning and then we can also tell our own story and i can put out my own ideas and when you put out an idea maybe that inspires someone else and then like something happens because of that you know you have to get, get your ideas out there mm -hmm. um, like sign with ethereum is a great example of this i mean so i mean the history there is that <clears throat> sign with ethereum that term i coined that term a few months ago but the practical thing the idea of you sign you, you authenticate with your ethereum private key and then maybe like use your ENS name as your username and profile, um, you know, portable for every for every DApp. That was just happening organically in the Web3 space. Yeah. And there was no standard. People just knew you could do this and they were just using having all their own bespoke implementations of this. Um, and it just, it's become a main thing in Web3. And I just sort of like, other people saw this too and were kind of talking about it. I was thinking about it and I just coined the term, sign with Ethereum just made sense to me. And I did a Twitter thread in June of just a few months ago, basically saying, here's what's happening in Web3. Here's why I think this matters. Here's the implications for this. I think this is actually gonna be used throughout the whole internet and Web2 as well. Like, here's what's possible. Here's what I see. And that, you know, just put that out there, that that thread just kind of struck a chord. People are like, yes, this is what's going on, or this is a good explanation or something. It kind of inspired people. And um, it's funny, Vitalik Buterin actually reached out to me. Uh, how'd and that go? He was like, hey, I, I saw your thread. My first response was actually like, 
how do I know this is really Vitalik? Like, this is like some scammer. <laughs> That's true. And you don't I, know until the I check mark. For proofs that it was him and it wasn't. And he was like, we, I've been thinking the same thing, but we need to like standardize this. So after some back and forth with, with him, me and the EF and other people, we eventually decided to co-sponsor an RFP, a request for proposals from the, e, from the EF and ENS, basically to find somebody to like just lead a standardization effort. Um, and there were a lot of great candidates, but we ended up choosing uh, the people at Spruce ID, uh, Wayne and okay. Rocco, who are great. And oh. really what they're doing is they're just like surveying what are current practices try, and then standardizing best practices with public comments. Then also, this is getting a little technical, but making an OAuth implementation and mm-hmm. JavaScript library to make it easy particularly for like web two services to add this and we're almost done with it. But this is all just an example of like, it's just because someone was out there talking about it on Twitter and then that got other people excited and people started to coordinate. Like Twitter to me is not like a joke. Twitter is like, that is, that is where the industry comes to talk and that is where things can get organized and things can happen. And that's the thing is Twitter is so huge and crypto Twitter is its own term. But I'm seeing so much, um effort towards decent like a decentralized social media that's not twitter anymore and i'm wondering you know at what point or are we even trying to move off of twitter or are people trying to find different solution or is twitter twitter is pretty crypto friendly especially with jack dorsey embracing bitcoin as a, a tipping service and i think he's also embracing ethereum but you know where do you see like that happening right now it's an industry standard but eventually things change yeah i mean i think everyone would agree it'd be great to have a web3 native decentralized uh social network or something um it's funny the crypto community first talked on bitcointalk.org yeah i remember that place. bitcoin talk form yeah which still exists and it's funny guys just if you're listening you can go to bitcointalk.org and read the first posts going back to the very beginning of bitcoin and read like satoshi interact seeing him interact with people uh, it's funny another funny you could also read uh, the comments on the initial email list that he sent out the bitcoin white paper to 2008 online you can find that online and a funny thing is just the side comment is that many of the issues like we're even still debating and like working out mm-hmm. they were all there at the beginning the smart people saw oh yeah well how do you scale this and yeah. like there was debate about and like we're still figuring out how to scale blockchain um, but that's nice so, yeah there was bitcointalk.org uh, then everything kind of moved to reddit for a couple of years and then the last like two years or so it's like all moved to twitter mm-hmm. um, and yeah i'd say we want to have a native web3 thing it's just that's a very hard problem to solve and i think it will get solved eventually but over time and i think just the pieces need to be built so like the way i think about it it's it's not like oh you just need to build a web3 or decentralized social network really that's like a hundred different problems and each of those like to try to solve all those problems on your own is gonna be like nearly impossible like nearly no chance of success but what's happening is those pieces are being solved individually Mm -hmm. and then when it get you get a critical mass of those things solved then you'll be able to combine them together into something so for example like ens is a very basic identity system. Like, so I view ENS as like a p- one primitive of a future decentralized social network. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing about using Ethereum too, is that everyone's building their own type of solution and they can all talk to each other without asking for permission. Like if ENS wants to talk to some other platform trying to create a social media event, great, ENS can single sign on to that social media network. Exactly. And if people, I think people are always, especially with crypto, everything moving so fast, people are so quick to want more and more and question more and more. And people are still developing. Human beings still need time to develop and work and think things through. And that's why it's you know, so amazing what you're doing. And especially since it's been 
three years. Yeah, it's a long time and look how far we've come. Yeah, so then um, you're, you're currently still developing ENS domains. Um, you know, you're reading a lot about what's going on online, always people asking for more or less. You know, what is one of your crypto pet peeves? What's what's bothering you in the crypto industry now? Um, crypto pet peeves. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, there's <laughs> things like a lot of people who don't understand internet naming and don't understand ENS come to us and say, hey, I've got a really smart idea. Why don't we just make a copy of ENS but on a different chain? <laughs> and it's like, it's you know, I understand why people think it. it's very, it's, 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 there's like rookie mistake type things that like seem obvious if you have a surface level understanding of things. Um, that's a little annoying. Nice. Um, no, I mean, ENS is, we view it as it is the blockchain based internet naming system, uh, which extends DNS and I think is going to be bigger than DNS. And there, there's little value to just having a hundred copies of it in all these different places. Um, and ENS, of course, supports the addresses for all blockchains and things like this anyway. So for simplified crypto payments, it's unnecessary. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that comes up a lot. Um, another funny thing that, that comes up, so I, I've interacted with a lot of people in the space and a lot of different projects. Yep. And there are projects that I would say are truly Web3 projects that, that like understand Web3, they have a Web3 culture, they're operating in a way that makes sense with Web3. And then there are projects that are like basically like Web2 projects okay. that are like have Web3 sprinkled on or something. What's a Web3 culture? How do you define that? Um, you're open, you're transparent, you're community-based. Okay. As opposed to Web2, which is like we're closed, we're secrets, <laughs> we're like marketing-based or something. A lot you know? of crypto projects are marketing-based, which is kind of insane it's not that moral marketing is bad but no. there are projects that think professionalizing a web3 project means basically adopting web2 terminology and processes mm -hmm. which i think is not true and that's the crazy thing i've seen now especially with DeFi projects and exchanges um how they're supposed to be decentralized yet they're still stopping certain territories from using their website I'm like okay i get the front end part is a company but <laughs> that's not that's not where you're building it for of course yeah and, yeah i mean the the protocols themselves have no censorship and mm -hmm. what, pe what people just have to do is they have to use like a different front end or either their ipfs based you know front ends and things like that but yeah it is unfortunate that they they're located in the u.s the u.s has dumb laws and then they have to at least the ui that they control they have to like censor things or something stuff yeah it's and i see i don't see um the U.S. kind of winning that fight just because you can't stop the entire world. You're just, I mean, you're one powerful country, but you're still just not able to stop the whole world from trying to keep this going. Uh, again, so you have you know, all this going on in your life and then, you know, outside of the crypto world and outside the crypto community, you know, who whose life have you changed or touched or gave like a light bulb moment when you were trying to explain blockchain and cryptocurrencies to them? I, I wish more people. <laughs> it's hard to do it right in like real life is people are asking questions and you just want to explain to them and shake them it's all going to be the future it's just how it is and for me i have a, a challenge trying to change minds sometimes but eventually people figure it out yeah i mean my i'll say my dad uh who's a, who's been a very successful forward-thinking person really his whole life uh, even though he's now an elderly elderly man um, he also had a light bulb moment in 2015 i have to give him a lot of credit we've been able to actually kind of do a lot of this to get like go through this together uh which has been uh fun um but yeah it's okay i mean i i view crypto and blockchain stuff it's it's a whole it's a whole different paradigm of like how like people's mental models of how the world works and how the internet works doesn't work with blockchain technology because just mm -hmm. the way things are coordinated the way systems work is different that becomes like a barrier to people um 
but it's okay. I mean, I, blockchain technology is going to eat the whole world, <laughs> and regardless, and it's yeah. okay. People, you know, people come around eventually. It's fine. Do you do you see it as a future where people will know that they're using blockchain, or it's going to become something where they just don't even know they're using? Kind of like the internet and the cloud computing. People sometimes still don't understand that it's a data center of computers that hold your information. It's not an actual cloud or anything like that. So right, it's how, just an analogy. how do you see that happening with blockchain technology? Do you think it's just going to become something no one even knows they're using? Good question. I mean, there's right. There's two. That's a school of thought. I mean, there's. I'd say there's two schools of thought. One is we need to make blockchain disappear, and that's been around for years. And maybe that's right. I mean, I'm sure that sure that will have play out in some ways and other people say no we need to like lean into it and expose it and need to teach users new concepts and ideas and things like this and, and uh, I will say that a, a principle that I've seen play out in web3 over many years is that it's one thing to predict what you think will happen mm -hmm. and then another thing to see how things actually play out and that it's very common that even what smart people think is going to happen and then how things play out and like everyone's kind of surprised that things played out that way and that's just how the world works right you need to actually see what, how it plays out in the market why it's really important that things are exposed to the market because yeah. it reveals the truth and so like i would say i've heard for many years this idea of we need to like for it to go mainstream we need blockchain technology to like be completely hidden away and there have been many many products and attempts built around this none of which i've really seen succeed but it's funny that blockchain technology technology has grown and even greatly expanded and somewhat gone mainstream mm -hmm. for things that are in some ways difficult, expensive, use, have tons of friction, tons of new concepts yeah. like NFTs and like things like this. So I'll just say that idea makes sense to me, but what I've actually seen play out is not that. So I don't know. Yeah, and especially now in the mainstream media, it's all about price of Bitcoin or price of Ethereum or price of this NFT sold for a couple million dollars. And I guess that's just, that's just what's attracting people. It's still the monetary value of it, the trading value of it versus the technical value of it. And that's the, like one of the things I keep trying to teach people the most is the technical part of it is the most valuable part of it. And don't worry about trading, just hold it and then, you know, adopt the new tech that keeps coming in. Yeah, I, I've, I've been surprised. Like if somebody had said, um, I know a good pro a new product, good product category. Um, let's uh, sell these online digital items that represent digital art. And actually you don't, you don't get the copyright of the digital art. You don't get exclusive access to see the digital art. You just have this thing that somehow is associated with the digital art and oh, to get it every single time you want to buy one or transfer one, it's going to cost like a hundred dollars in addition to whatever price you're, you're doing. Oh, and by the way, these things are going to go for thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars. Oh, and you have to like hold it with a crypto wallet and you have to have like a seed phrase and there's all these things. Like if you were to describe that to somebody, it goes against all conventional <laughs> wisdom. Every single piece of, of like web two marketing, business selling, consumer, smart yeah. conventional wisdom that would ever make sense ever. You'd be like, you are an insane person for thinking that. <laughs> and yet that has been one of the biggest tech like tech world explosions ever in the last like year exactly what i just described that's insane. Isn't that incredible it's incredible and insane also to think about how people are open to using it they're loving it and it's just becoming more popular and it's going to become more popular but hopefully the new eth2 layer will help out with gas fees at least yes i mean i'll say with ens our thinking had for years been so for most of ENS's history, gas fees were basically negligible. I mean, mm -hmm. like you register an ENS name and 
there's the ENS protocol fee, which is like $5 or something like this. But the gas fee was like literally one cent. That's most of that. ENS's history. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And the idea was, well, we knew Ethereum would get more expensive and, you know, over time as it grew and people are working on scaling and everything like this. But our, our thinking was always that as that got up to be even a few dollars, ENS registrations should go way down. Because um, what, you're going to get a $5 name and pay a $100 fee or $50 fee? I mean, it seems like insane. Here's the weird thing. In the last six months, um, as gas, you know, the huge amount of growth in Ethereum, a huge amount of excitement, people using gas fees have gone through the roof. ENS names have actually massively exploded. And we've had the most registrations ever by like a long shot. We, we had a day a few weeks ago that had more registrations in that day than we had had in like 10 of the last 24 months. Wow. And then, and so, yeah. Who was the most surprising, I guess, publicly uh, announced .eth name to you? I mean, Drake Bell from Drake and Josh, who has several million followers on Twitter. Now, apparently yeah. he like did some bad sex stuff with people. I, you know, I don't believe Ugh. in that, but I mean, he has drakebell.eth. Um, ben Horowitz of Andreessen Horowitz. Mm-hmm. He has, he's Ben Horowitz.eth on Twitter. Um, a lot of people, it's it's amazing how it, far it's gone. It's pretty amazing. You worked on it too. You're like, wow, people, I mean, it's it's surprising, but you also were kind of expecting it, right? Like, this is what I'm building it for. Like, this is the reason, but holy crap, it's actually coming in and happening. Yeah, I mean, Budweiser bought yeah, beer.eth beer. for a hundred grand and they have that and they have it set up with reverse resolution, you know, as their ENS username. They don't show it on Twitter, but they have it on their, as their web for username set up. Um, same thing with Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z has hove.eth and owns it and has it set up as his web3 username wow. this is in, it's incredible it is incredible um, alexis ohanian uh, who's the co-founder of red he has it his wife serena williams she they have serena williams.eth did you buy all your kids a .eth address just in case i have my last name.eth and my plan is to give them subdomains of that ah nice smart well um and before i let you go one last question um i just want to know what made you smile the most recently smile the most yeah give you a nice ear-to-ear smile you just like wow it could be anything it doesn't have to be crypto related but ending it off on a wholesome note oh i don't know i had a hot date with my wife this last weekend it nice <laughs> it's always we good to have a downtown date. greenville had a good time uh, what restaurant did you go to we went to we went to this great thai place basil thai i've been there was, yeah. oh you've been there thai basil yeah, it was great next to the clemson uh next to the one Clemson uh, building, right? I don't remember. I just know it was in downtown Greenville. I gotcha. Yeah, I went to school in, in Clemson for my MBA. So yeah, I was there a lot. I live downtown Greenville. Very good. Cool. Well, again, yeah, thank you so much, Brantley Duddy. I really appreciate your time and yeah, I hope the best for you and ENS. Great, thank you. Great chatting. See you, everyone.